Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this week's pod, we are handicapping the two stakes from Keeneland and the three late stakes from Belmont on Saturday, October 10th. This is show number 87, October 9th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited about the racing this weekend and some new things we have going on Sport of Kings and um, great fall weather. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I understand that you hit the Keeneland Daily Challenge race yesterday with Mr. Dumas. Yes, I did. So I haven't been exactly scorching the the nets so far, but I am on the board and uh, I still have a shot. Well, we had 998 players in the Keeneland Daily Challenge yesterday. I hope we can get it over 1,000 today because we not only have the Keeneland Daily Challenge, but we also have the Stronach 5 Challenge, which is five races over 90 minutes with $460 in horse tourney site credit available. Entry is free with free PPs, and this is a send-it-in contest. Send in all your picks before the first race which is scheduled for 3.58 Eastern time today. Yes, uh, an interesting sequence. Um, We did a very fun uh, mashup uh, joint podcast with In the Money and Pete Fornatel, where we covered the five races that people could still listen to. Um, And so we're we're actually, this will be our second pod this week. And if you're listening to this before, What's the uh, first post time in the Stronic Five, Scott? About what, like uh, ten a.m.? It's it's or three. No, it's three fifty-eight Eastern time. Okay. Three fifty-eight p.m. And knowing Gulfstream Park West, which is now under the umbrella of Gulfstream, that'll probably be more like four oh eight. Good point. So if uh, there. There's a good chance maybe if you're an early listener to the pod on Fridays that you uh, can listen in on uh, our Stronic 5 podcast as well and get involved. 12% takeout, probably one of the most player-friendly wagers in racing. And um, now we have the free contest to go along with that with the free PPs and, and a chance to win prizes there. So no reason not to get involved. All right, and as far as real-life tournaments, uh, well, let's say real-money tournaments, live bankroll tournaments, we have a guest today who's going to tell us about the, the Keeneland Fall BCBC Challenge. I think that's what they're calling it, Keeneland Fall BCBC Challenge. Are you going to be in that one, Chris? Right now, I'm, I'm, I probably will. Um, I'm not real thrilled about the card. It's full of maiden races, which aren't my favorites. And I like turf racing and there's really only one turf race. There's two, but I think one will probably get taken off the turf if the weather forecast holds up. So I don't know. I'm a little bit on the fence, but I love Keeneland. I've had great success in that con in those contests, as long as the weather's good. Once the weather's bad and they come off the turf, I usually do terribly. So that's in the back of my mind right now um, in terms of decision-making, but I'll probably get involved. Um, I mean, I'd like to win another BCBC spot for sure. And I just love supporting Jim Goodman and Keeneland's. They do such a good job with the contests that, um, you know, I try to get involved every chance I can. I'd like to win my first seat into the BCBC and that's why I will definitely be in the contest because the rain, while it looks like there definitely will be some, There might not be too much, and I think they'll at least keep the stake on turf. And our special guest today 
is the Director of Wagering Development at Keeneland. He's one of the most loved tournament directors, and he's qualified himself to the NHC five times. He's Jim Goodman. Jim, welcome to the Sport of Kings pod. Hey, Scott. Glad to be with you. It's a beautiful day here at Keeneland as we're recording this. I wish we had more people here. So it's a uh, it's a strange fall meet without uh, without a lot of spectators, but uh, we're getting through, and we got some really good racing this weekend. Fantastic! And I also understand I I understand because I'm going to enter it that there's a big <laughs> contest tomorrow. Uh, you want to tell our audience about the uh, the the challenge? Absolutely. Um, we I'll always have a fall BCBC NHC challenge at Keeneland uh, that Scott and Chris have both participated in many, many times. Um, we're using the Lexington, Kentucky room and uh, looking out over a beautiful racetrack. And that this year, because of the pandemic, we're not able to do that. So back in July, we got together with uh, our ADW partners and decided to do an online contest. And it was a huge success. We had 208 players back in July. So it was an easy call to do something uh, this time, again, with Express Bet, with TVG, with uh, 4NJ uh, Bets, and with Naira Bets this time. So uh, on Saturday, you can play in the $3,000 buy-in Keeneland Fall Challenge uh, online. Uh, we do have a few spots. If you're not in a state where an ADW is available, you can travel to Keeneland, but you better get your stuff, get, you better get in your car because it's Saturday. Um, so really, the uh, the way you get in, into the contest, Express Bet is still accepting wait, accepting entries this afternoon. The other venues have closed their entries as of noon on Friday. So uh, if you want to play, you'll need to play through Express Bet. And you can go to expressbet.com slash KeenlandFallChallenge2020, and you'll be able to register directly on Express Bet, not going through Keeneland. They'll set you up a parallel account with a $2,000 wager. They'll send us a thousand bucks for the prize fund and uh, everything's really easy. And ExpressBet has a wonderful interface where you can go back and forth between your regular account where you're doing your regular betting and your uh, Keeneland contest account. So uh, we're, we're looking for, um, I'm hoping for 150 to 170 players. Uh, we got a really good card including the QE2 and the Haggard Fayette. Got five maiden races on Saturday. It's going to be a real handicapping challenge. And as of right now, as we're recording this, the um, the weather looks better than it did a couple of days ago. So we're hoping to stay on the turf. We're hoping the rain holds off until late in the day. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's going to be a really good contest. And uh, we've got full fields. We got I think we got 110 entries in 10 in 10 races. So it's uh, it's actually the a really good card for the fall meet at Keeneland. Yeah, this uh, the the scratch sheet that I have is just filled with entries. So even though there are five maidens, which some people have a, a harder time with, I don't mind them. And uh, the main main thing is is having big fields. Chris, did you have any questions for Jim before we get started handicapping today? Well, I guess uh, with uh, some weather in the forecast, when it gets wet, say there is some rain, but they stay on the turf. And you know the the track is maybe a little wet. How does that usually affect the races? Is does that is there a typical bias on the main track or on the turf when you get some moisture on it? We when when we took out the poly track here um, in 2015, we did a really good job with maintaining the drainage. Which if you if you've ever looked under or gotten a diagram of under a, a synthetic track, it's got amazing drainage. And we actually uh, enhanced that. So our our dirt track here drains very well. It's got a crown in the middle, drains to the sides. If we get a monsoon and and there is a little bit of standing water, it tends to favor uh, front runners just like any other wet track does. Our turf course should be good. I mean, I, I think. Uh, our turf course is plush right now. It's been playing very fairly. Uh, back in the summer, if you recall in July, uh, our, our turf course, we never ran in July before. So people were unexpected, not expecting it to be, but it was very speed biased because the ground's harder and uh, there just wasn't any moisture in it. This time we've had some moisture uh, off and on. We had a rain about a week and a half ago. Um, 
but it, it drains well. I think it plays fair unless it gets really boggy. Uh, and if it gets boggy, obviously time slow down and somebody on front has, has an advantage. But I would expect it to play very fairly on Saturday. Great. Let's hope that's the case. All right. Well, today we are handicapping the two stakes from Keeneland, the 8th and the ninth, the Haggard Fayette and the Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup. But we're going to start with three stakes from Belmont. They will be the 8th, ninth, and 10th at Belmont. The first race that we're doing is the 8th race at Belmont, the Flower Bowl Stakes. It's a grade one, mile and a quarter on turf, the inner turf, with a purse of 250000 for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Jim, what did you think in this race? I thought this was a good betting race. I thought um, uh, really hard to separate all the horses that came out of Glen Falls and Saratoga. Uh, Civil Union won that race uh, for Shiv McGahee and Rosario takes them out back. Uh, my sister Nat was charging at the end and just came up short. And then uh, um, Bo Bell ran in the, in the race for Albertrani and uh, Lovely Lucky. So I, I think any of those four horses, they all finished uh, within a length and a half of each other at a mile and three-eighths. They're shortening up to a mile and a quarter, so it's kind of hard to figure which of the horses will benefit from that shortening up. And I think it may be Civil Union. I, I really like the way she's coming into the race. I like the, the ascending buyers. I like her positional speed. I love Joe Joel Rosario on the turf. Uh, I think I think the horse, if, if I have to pick a winner here uh, from those four horses, it's going to be it's going to be Civil Union. Um, the horse that scares me is amazingly Chad Brown's filly, Nay Lady Day. Um, this horse is coming along very well. Has not faced the competition. The other horses. This is a big jump up in class. She won at Laurel last time out at a mile and an eight. The stretch out will be any problem for her. Um, but she only beat three other horses, and she is moving up into Grade One company among horses that have raced at. At seems like a higher level. Uh, the Monmouth race in July was good for Nayla Nay, and also the Met Julia Churchill. She got some experience against against Grade Three company. But uh, I would take Civil Union here. Uh, I, I think three to one's a fair price. Very uh, well balanced field, and I think uh, uh, the Morning Line odds maker has it just right. The one horse I think has a shot at a price is Lovely Lucky, and uh, she sits off a pace and, and gets gets a good trip. Uh, she's only a length and a half off Civil Union in, in the Glens Falls, so uh, I think if she improves and takes a takes a step up here, it's a big step from a maiden 75 three races ago, but uh, she's done really well, and uh, Albertrani keeps him going, and he's done well at the meet, so I think Lovely Lucky at a price would be my price play. All right. Lovely Lucky, Tom Albertrani of Sadler's Joy fame. Chris, what did you think here? Well, I... I actually feel like those horses that came out of the Glen Falls are all kind of a notch below the ones that I like in here. I, um, I think they're all pretty close, but they haven't been facing the same level of competition as a horse like the four La Signore, who's probably my pod pick in here at eight to one on the morning line. You know, she's been running against horses like Newspaper of Record, Rushing Fall, Bo Recall. She's been getting beat, but she's held her own. And when she was a, a notch, when she was at a little bit uh, less of a level, kind of similar to this field, she was winning or running second. So I think she's competitive in here and with a clean trip could win at a price. I do think the the horse to beat those, the one horse, Cambier Park, who's second off a layoff for Chad Brown, um, has a lot of talent. And, you know, I'm sure grade one he has her cranked up for this um there's not that many opportunities for grade one um uh black type for phillies and and this is a good shot at that she did she has won a grade one last year at keeneland and uh, now she's trying to win one at belmont so to me she's uh the one to beat the one horse cambier park and the one to bet is uh the four horse loss in yare well, I'm going to be on the La Signore bandwagon with you. Uh, the horse is as, as faster, faster on speed figures than any of these. And when she ran 
a mile and three sixteenths earlier this year at Gulfstream. That was her best race up until that time. So it was a, a new top for her. And she has a win on the inner course at a mile and an eighth. So if she's as high as eight to one, which seems kind of hard to believe, but there are a bunch of chads in here. Um, she's, she's clearly the play. However, these horses are, it's a really evenly matched field. So I wouldn't be betting a lot of money on this race. I, I agree on Cambier park, probably be my second choice. Um, I don't really have much to add. Yeah, I mean, we've pretty much named all the horses, so we see it as pretty com- pretty competitive. But I do think that those horses coming out of the Glen Falls are a notch below Cambier Park and La Signore. So we'll see. But that's kind of the way I, I view the race. All right. Well, uh, if you don't have anything to add, Jim, we'll go on to the ninth race, which is the Jockey Club Gold Cup, a grade one mile and a quarter on dirt. Purse of two hundred fifty thousand for three rolls and up. Chris, why don't you get us started on this one? Well, I'll be boring here. I've been a Tacitus fan all along. I've been really frustrated the way he's been managed this year. I mean, they've been just running him every two months. His last race, uh, they had him cranked up two races back. The really some really sharp works for a horse who's a lazy morning workout horse, and and he responded with a big effort. And then they didn't run him again for two months, and they didn't put any fast works into him at all. It was like sleepwalk workouts, and I think it was like 50% for his last race, and he, he ran like it. He got beat, um, but they, they're wheeling him back in a month this time, and they actually gave him a sharp workout, thank goodness. So I think you'll see an 80% Tacitus, which I think is good enough to handle this field. Uh, I know their target is the Breeders' Cup Classic. And I'm really looking forward to that race. I I hope to be have some bankroll, and I'm really going to be um, betting a on improbable. And I'm hoping Tacitus shows me what I expect to see in here. Not too much, but just enough so that you know I can be playing that exact improbable and Tacitus. Um, hopefully, in a position to win the Breeders' Cup betting challenge in about a month. So I'm looking ahead. Uh, I don't think it's a great betting race, um, but I think Tacitus is the one to beat. If I had to pick a, a contest horse, uh, if this was in the Keeneland contest, which is not, I'd probably go with the three name changer. And probably the way to bet this race would be to play an exacta with Tacitus over name changer. That's probably how I'd play it. Because um, the three-year-olds will probably get over bet. Um, but I'm not really excited about playing the race. Tacitus at even money on the morning line. Jim, what did you think? Well, I know that Chris has been on Tacitus a, a lot, and I and I feel the same way about him. I, I think he's a he's an underachiever. I don't blame the horse, uh, and I don't. I don't you know, Bill Mott's a great trainer, so I, I I'm not going to say what what's happened. I just I just think the horse doesn't like to win, and he he won the suburban and then came back, and I thought he I thought he was a lock in Woodward and he, he did not, he did not run like he should have. And, and I can't bet him at three to five. He's not going to be even money. He's going to be three to five in this field. I think. So I'm going to look for a price in here. I think name changer is, is a little bit of a stretch, but I agree that if you're playing contest, that that's probably who you're, who you want to play. I'm going to go with prioritize. Um, big jockey change. Uh, Luis Saez, he won a couple races here last weekend at Keeneland. I don't, I still don't know how he won. Cost me a little bit of money. Uh, he had a four-win day. Uh, he's on a streak right now. Uh, I believe firmly in hot jockeys, and I think uh, Eric Kinsale to Luis Saez is a big move up here for this this racehorse, and that's got to make a couple of links difference between him and Tacitus. So with the jock change and with the price that I know Tacitus is going to be, uh, I'd play prioritize if I got anywhere close to four to one here. And that would probably be my exact. Uh, Happy Saber's got a lot of upside. Only three races. It's a lot to ask for him to come in as a three-year-old and, and, and beat these experienced horses. But he's going to be good down the road. And, uh, you know, Pletcher's surprised a lot of people. It wouldn't shock me if he won this race at all. But uh, I, I couldn't play him at a, at a short price either. It's not a very good betting race. Uh, 
Kentucky Club Gold Cup used to be the highlight of the fall, and with the Breeders' Cup now being the highlight of the fall, it's kind of fallen on hard times. But uh, prioritize is a is a, a, a the choice for me. But I'm like Chris, I, I, you can't bet a lot of money on this race. <laughs> well, um, I'm not going to bet a penny on this race. I will be rooting for Tacitus. I think he's going to destroy this field. He'll be two to five at the most. I would expect. I just, I, I just, I can't see picking against him. Picked up his work since his last race. Prioritized certainly looks like a really solid uh, exact combo. I don't like Name Changer at all. He's stretching from a mile to a mile and a quarter as a uh, a seven year old. So uh, he's just in there for the fifth place purse money. In my opinion, um, that's about all I have to say on this race. Uh, the only thing I'll add, just on the uh, the odds on Sport of Kings, have Tacitus seven to five and Happy Saber two to one, with Prioritize four to one. So you might get four to one, Jim, on Prioritize. Happy Saber seems like the underlay in here. I think that that's um, that's the horse that will get overbet. So yeah, no, I you, totally agree. Okay, well, let's move on to a more competitive race. It's the 10th at Belmont. It's the Sands Point Stakes, a grade two mile on the turf, purse of 150000 for three-year-old fillies. Jim, where did you land here? Well, I landed on a, a kind of a hometown horse connection here with Miss J. McKay. Um, I have watched these horses come out of the Kentucky Downs races for the past couple of weekends, and uh, invariably, and, and we've always known this at Kentucky Downs, and I think us those of us in Kentucky knew it before the rest of the country. If you're, if you're in shape to run that course down there, you're going to come back and run well. And that's what's happened with horses that come here from Kentucky Downs. And I think that helps this horse. Uh, uh, Johnny Velasquez doesn't hurt either, but uh, this horse ran really well in, in the Music City, uh, got beat by Lighthouse, uh, was finishing well down the stretch at six and a half, uh, stretches out to a mile here, which shouldn't be a problem. And I really like the uh, I, I really like the positional speed here. This this race is full of horses who need a pace to run at. I'm not sure you're going to get that here. Uh, I think Pure Wow is going to is going to take the lead. I don't think that Pure Wow is classy enough to last against this bunch, uh, but she may take them a long way. Um, drop a hint again is not classy enough to last, but maybe contesting the speed. And if if that happens, it does set up for closer. But I think Miss J. McKay is a good compromise in that she's got enough speed to stay close. I think she's going to have the stamina to finish the race. Uh, I like Johnny Velasquez. Lots of reasons for me to like this horse at seven to two. Um, but it is a good betting race if you take uh, the first three horses. Chad Brown's got an unknown in Tama Hare uh, coming out of not really great races in France. Uh, but Chad brings them over here to North America. Obviously, they're 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 good, but I don't, I don't think this is his top uh, and his top line of the stables. Um, Speak to me of Summer comes out of the the uh, Saratoga Oaks at a mile and three sixteenths, shortens up to a mile, which could be her best distance. But she needs a pace to run at, as does Selflessly, who's probably going to be the favorite for Chad Brown. Um, Selflessly would probably be my second choice. I'm just going to stay with the Kentucky Downs angle here. It's been good for me in the past, and I just think Miss J. McKay has a chance to move up here. Miss J. McKay, some pretty high buyers, uh, been sprinting and now goes, it's still only one turn, but stretches out to a mile. Chris, what did you think? Well, Miss J. McKay is very interesting if she can handle the stretch out. She's really not bred to go long. So I'm a little skeptical, but like Jim said, and I think Mike Maloney said the same thing last week that um, horses coming out of Kentucky Downs are fit, so that shouldn't be an issue. And she certainly has the the speed figures at the sprint distances that would win this race if they can translate to the longer distance. So I wouldn't talk Jim off that horse. Uh, I do think Chad Brown has a strong hand. I think selflessly is a, is a pretty good horse and probably sitting on a big race. Um, so I think that's the horse to beat. And, you know, the foreign shippers that he brings over are always dangerous. So 
you know, he's the one to beat. I'm not really excited about playing any of those horses, though, and I'm really not too excited about the race. But if I had to pick a horse, I would go with one horse that Jim sort of mentioned in passing, the seven-horse pure wow. Definitely outclassed in here, but I think she gets clear early, and I do think she's sitting on a career best effort. I think I like it. Her, she's had a couple route races. Those were her first two route races. She didn't have a very good trip last time. Got away slow, and then um, you know was part of a set a really hot pace. But today, I think if she can break alertly, she can clear early and slow it down. Lescano is a good rider. New York, they have a habit of just crawling on the front end. And um, if they let her crawl and then Lescano gives her a smart ride and kind of gets some separation on the turn, they might not be able to catch her in the stretch. So just purely a tactical play, I would go with the seven pure wow as a possible wire-to-wire upsetter at a big price. I can see your case for pure wow. Um and certainly she should improve. I am actually, thankfully, not going to be betting Belmont because I like selflessly here. Uh, she ran big at San Diego as a two-year-old. Even though she didn't win, she, she got a really good number. She improved on that just a little bit. This is her third race of the year. She's got a really nice workout since that race. So, like, I can't I can't do anything else except for just roll with selflessly on here. But I do think that if you were playing multi-race wagers, you would also have to include Tom Tama here, the French shipper, who looks pretty sharp, looks pretty fast, and has a really nice bullet workout and gets Lasix for the first time. And you know, it's all dependent on the workout report, but I would imagine it'll be glowing. So uh, I would use those two in multi-race wagers and just hope for the best. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Jim? No, I, I think uh, it's, not a, it's not a great betting card at, at Belmont, um, but I think when we start talking about the Keelan races, and I'm obviously prejudiced, I think we've got two really good races <laughs> handicapped there. Uh, I think there's some value to be had in playing the cross-country uh, pick five this time um, because two of, the, two of the Belmont races are in there. And you can take your choice in the Belmont races if, if that's the way you, you handicap them and, and then spread in the, in the Keeneland races and possibly the Monmouth race. So I think it's a really good betting opportunity uh, this Saturday. The cross-country pick five is a, an incredible wager. It's, it's, it's really great if you have the chance to, to handicap those races. Now, for some people, they have to now they've got to get Monmouth PPs just for that one race. And I know they offer free PPs on the Naira site. But um, right. they may not be people's preferred PPs. But if you're looking for uh, to be able to leverage these chalky races into some kind of value, the cross country pick five might be the way to go. Yeah, and if we have time, I did look at the Monmouth Eighth race, and I can and give out a couple opinions at the end of the show. So, all right, uh, great. I th- because we're covering four of the five races, um, the two from Keeneland that we're going to cover are in it, and two of the three we just talked about. So, all right. Well, you know, on that note, I'll I'll uh, I'll just if I like the sequence, which I kind of do because I like the Keeneland races, I may just take your recommendations and put them in. You know, spare me the time of uh, handicapping Mama. Oh, put Let- the pressure on me, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how deep you go. Okay. Uh, so our next race is the eighth race at Keeneland. It's the Hagyard Fayette Stakes, Grade Two, Mile and an Eighth on Dirt, purse of two hundred thousand for three-year-olds and up. Chris, I think it's your turn to get us started. Well, I agree with uh, Jim that this is probably the the best betting race so far we've talked about today. It's an interesting mix of horses. There's no standout. Um, I won't do a big rundown here, but there were two horses that I like, um, and they're both prices. I think the one I'll talk about is the um, outside horse, the 10-horse 
Aurelius Maximus, who is the kind of horse that if you listen to the podcast, I'm always kind of a sucker for. Um, the horse showed some real talent early on in its career and um, has had some physical problems. Um, clearly, there's some issues there, but now it has comes off a long layoff with a nice prep and it's going second off a layoff and could sit on, you know, just a monster effort. This four-year-old second off a layoff who has tremendous upside could just pop a really big race. So those are the kind of horses I'm always interested in. And, you know, it's certainly got good connections with Ashmus and Santana. The only real drawback is um, it does have to improve significantly probably to win, but I think it can. And the post positions always makes you a little nervous, although um, he has tactical speed and a good rider, and they have a pretty good run to the first turn at a mile and eighth at Keeneland. A little shorter than most tracks at this distance, but um, I'm hoping that uh, he doesn't get caught wide on that first turn. Uh, so there's another horse I like as well, but I'll, I'll stop there and let Jim and Scott weigh in and, and come back in if um, they don't talk about the other horse I like in here, but uh, definitely think the 10 Aurelius Maximus is a horse you want to use in any sort of wager you make, vertical or horizontal. Aurelius Maximus, two for two, going two turns this year. Jim, what did you think? Well, I agree with his uh, with his take on Aurelius Maximus. I, I think he's got a lot of upside, and, and Steve Asmussen is, is and his horses are are doing well at the track. He's not winning as many as we thought he would, but uh, he's got Santana, his, his go-to rider. Uh, I, I think this horse is well meant, uh, and I don't think the ten hole will hurt him too much. He's he's pretty quick, so. Get in position off the off the um, start and maybe like third or fourth going the first turn and the mile and eighth is a stretch out for him. It's going to be a question mark for a couple of other horses in here as well. But uh, I, I think he's got a shot. Um, the horse that I picked on top um, is Captivating Captivating Moon, the two horse for Chris Block. Uh, this horse uh, has a lot of back class, second off a layoff, and and just like Chris talked about, a, a good prep. Uh, this horse had a, what I consider to be a, a really good prep at Churchill. He, he was entered into the opening burst, which got rained off the turf. Um, and he only had four horses that, that were left in there, but uh, he ran the best buyer of his career and uh, went off at even money. He was obviously the, 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 the class of the race in there. Crafty Daddy won the race. I don't think you can put any stock in who won that race. I think it's just getting a horse ready for uh, something else down the road. And, you know, Chris saw that he ran well on dirt. Uh, it was going to, he's kind of experimented with this horse back and forth, but um, I think the horse has, has a good shot here in Lake Peru, obviously rides well at Keeneland. Coastal defense would be my second choice here. I love the ascending buyer patterns uh, going from a 77 from his maiden special weight win all the way up through 96. I love the way Joe Telemo is riding here. He's won a couple of races I didn't think he would win. Uh, and I think this horse, although it's, it's he doesn't have a break and he may he may hit a wall here, he moves up from that 96. He's right there as well. A couple of the class horses in here. Tax obviously has a shot. Been off since May, however, with the Oakland uh, handicap. And title ready scratched out of the, the race on Thursday for this spot. And... Um, Dallas Stewart spots him well, and uh, Corey Landry rides this track well. I think Title Ready's got a shot, but Captivating Moon would be my pick here for for a win and how you pay it. But it's a wide open race. What is the race that Title Ready scratched out of? Title Ready scratched out of my my days are so messed up. <laughs> uh, oh, was it was, was it a in, turf race? A, yes, he was scratched out of the ninth race. Yes, I think it was a turf race yesterday. It was. So I've got my PCs here from yesterday, I'll tell you. But I have to handicap two or three days in advance. <laughs> so let me see if I can get my seventh out here. So bear with or my, my eighth. Yeah, hang on a second, I'll tell you. It was. Okay, it was a mile and 16th on a turf allowance. 
and uh, scratched out. They actually, they actually had an, an entry. Dallas Stewart had an entry with uh, title ready, and uh, I think it was ownership entry. Yeah, perfect Tapatino. They scratched both of them for some reason. Um, but uh, Mr. Dumas wound up winning that race, coming out of a class uh, out of a grade one. So that was, that was a really tough spot. This one's a stakes race that really isn't any tougher than that race. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know how to put that into into my handicapping because Title Ready is my pick in this race, and I I I thought it was bizarre. I did handicap that race, and then I was like, ah, what what's he doing on turf? So maybe they were hoping that it would get off the turf. Um, Possibly. Yeah. So, so my case for him, he's he's over three at the distance, but his best race as a three year old was at the distance where he got a second and he's coming into this race in fine fettle. It's his third race of the year. He's working better than he has for years. He won over the summer at Keeneland at a mile and a 16th, earning one of his best numbers, not quite his top, but close enough. In his last, he was behind a slow pace and a, a ridiculous speed flow that racingflow.com has a, as a CFR of one, meaning you had to be, if you were, a closer that was the worst possible scenario for you. And he made a nice run at the end on the turn, and then he got stuck a little bit behind Mr. Freeze, and he just you know didn't really didn't go on. But I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was a good prep. And I would like to think that they really had this one on their um that this race as a target. He um his granddam, I looked up his breeding because I wanted to, you know, make sure about the mile and an eighth. His granddam is personal ensign. And he's a half to a bunch of routers, including one who won at a mile and an eighth, another who won a stakes on dirt at a mile and sixteenth. I just think he's gonna be a nice price. And I think he's uh, Dallas Stewart can he can bring these horses along and improve them slowly and get them to go farther and farther. So uh, so he's my main pick. And um, the other horse that I like, I, I do like Aurelius Maximus, absolutely. And I think he's a factor. But the other horse that I'm really interested in is Miranake. He was fast as a three-year-old in Argentina. And in his last, which it didn't look like he had an excuse, but he did because if you look at the head-on, he was off really awkwardly and bumped into a rival. And that's not in the chart. But if you look at the head-on, you'll see it. And, you know, he was he was a good horse winning a group one 200,000 race in Argentina last year at five to one. And he won pretty well. And uh, I think he can get in the money at a price. And aside from the fact that he he bumped, uh, he was off awkwardly and bumped a horse in the last race. It was also a, a, a racing flow speed flow race where you didn't. You know, maximum security wired them at a mile and a quarter, and he really didn't have as good of a shot if you were coming from off the pace. So those would be my three, title ready, Miranake, and Aurelius Maximus. I agree with you on title ready, and Miranake is like a long shot you can include. The, I, the one other horse I would mention, though, is Tax, who has some upside. He's fairly consistent, and Danny Gargan's really good off layoffs in these dirt routes. So I think he'll be ready to run well, um, but he's no value. But I, I, you know, I would definitely say he's a contender. And the horse we've, I don't think any of us have mentioned, but Mr. Freeze, you know, his best race wins this. He just hasn't looked very good in his last few. But with Dale Romans, you just never know. Um, I, I usually like to bet against his horses, but in Kentucky, sometimes they wake up. So that that horse, you know, I think he's worth betting against as the favorite, but certainly he's capable of winning um, if he runs his best. Yeah, his best numbers are at one turn mile, and he has one win at the distance, but he's only one for six. So he might be a good underneath horse in the try if you're playing the Keeneland contest. Yeah, but I do think he's, he's a horse you can try to beat, um, even though as a favorite, he certainly could win, but um, there's lots of 
signals that say he may need a rest before he's going to get back to his best again. Yeah, I mean, he ran a 25.71 quarter in a mile and 16th race in his last race, and he still couldn't hang on. He, he showed absolutely nothing. So it's kind of hard to think. I mean, it was such a bad race. Maybe you just, you know, maybe he didn't feel good that day. I don't know. Maybe you just uh, you, you put your thumb over it. But certainly, yeah. he's he's a hard hard horse to take at three to one. Yeah, his workouts have been pretty good since then. Um, but that race, it's hard to excuse that last effort for a favorite, for sure. Well, Jim talked about a lot of the horses, so I don't know if we have any more to say on this race. But I think it's a you know this is the race that's going to be really big in the Keeneland contest tomorrow. Uh, it's going to shake up the leaderboard. I would think. And let's move on to the ninth race, which will be the second to last race at Keeneland tomorrow for the contest. It's the Queen Elizabeth II Challenge Cup, grade two, mile and an eighth on turf, purse of 500000 for three-year-old fillies. Jim, what did you think here? Yeah, this is, a, this is always one of my favorite races of the fall. Uh, had some really good horses that have won this race in the past. Rushing Fall won it a couple of years ago. And uh, it's it's a very good race. It's, it's very difficult for me to separate the top four or five horses here. Uh, I think you can make a case. So I'm going to give you the four horses that I that I use in in the order that I'm using them. And my top pick is Magic Attitude uh, from Arnold Delacour, coming out of the Belmont Oaks um, uh, with a with just an easy win over Antoinette, who is a, a well accomplished filly in her own right. Um, and I thought that was extremely impressive. First time Delacour, first time North America, uh, horse raced really well in, in, in France against really top competition, two grade ones. And um, very impressed with it, with the race all the way around. So I think that she's sitting on a big one here. Uh, will she take to our turf as opposed to Belmont? Um, I, she can probably run on anything. She's run over, over, overseas on softer turf. So, and she ran a firm turf at Belmont. Second choice, is uh, Harvey's Little Goyle uh, coming off a string of, of very good performances, starting with the regret at Churchill, um, and they tried her at, on dirt at, at uh, Saratoga at a mile and a quarter, and she didn't embarrass herself, uh, got beat by Swiss Skydiver, and I guess we've heard of that, that filly, and then came back in the uh, at Kentucky Downs, and again, ran very well, only got beat a neck to Michelin uh, there. So Harvey, Harvey's Little Goyle, I think, um, is sitting on a big one for Bill Mott and uh, is going to be right there to finish. Hendy Woods is, is a horse that's got a lot of upside. She's only raced five times and uh, they brought her along fairly slowly. She's caught a couple of soft tracks in the last two at Indiana and Churchill. Uh, she lost in the Edgewood to Sharing and that's Sharing would be the favorite in here. I have no doubt. So she's a length and a quarter behind her picks up Le Peru um, big shot. And then Michelin, the other one that, that beat, Harvey's Little Goyle and the DG um, Oaks at Kentucky Downs. Magic Attitude, I just think, um, showed so much ability there, and uh, I, I think she'll take to our turf. Um, I'm going to key her on top of those other three horses. Not going to go as deep in this race as I will go in the Fed because I think there's a couple of others in here. Peter Miller, you always got to look at her at his his shippers, but uh, California Coop doesn't seem to be quite in the uh, – in the class of these others. So let's stick with those top four. Okay. Magic Attitude, the favorite who looked very impressive in her U.S. debut. Chris, where did you land? Well, I like pretty much like the same four horses, probably a little different order. I, I like Harvey's little Goyle quite a bit. I like her drawing the rail and I like the cutback and distance. Her last two have been longer. And so I, I just think she's really ready to run a good race and she's very consistent. So to me, and she's three to one on the morning line, but she's eight to one on Sport of Kings right now. So uh, Sweet Melania is five to two and, and Magic Attitude seven to two. So she could float up above that morning line. So Harvey's Little Goyle, I think is very interesting. And the other horse that Jim mentioned that I like quite a bit is Hendy Woods as a as a long shot. She's had some trouble trips, 
I think um, she's sitting on a big race and, you know, that second to sharing was in a race where she had a lot of trouble. Now, I don't know if she would have beat sharing, but I think she could have been closer than a mile and a, qu- a length and a quarter off. And um, I think her odds would be quite a bit different if she had gotten beat in neck or her nose or beaten sharing in her last. And I think she's definitely, a, you know, at least a length or two better than she ran, uh, than she got credit for. So, you know, she's a very live long shot in here at 10 to 1. And on the uh, uh, Sport of Kings, she's 11 to 1. So I think you might get those double digit odds. So those are the two I like um, the best, you know, Harvey's Little Goyle and Hendy Woods. But I definitely agree with you. Magic Attitude is 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 a contender for sure. Who is the fourth horse? I'm sorry, I missed it that, that Jim mentioned. Um, so Micheline, right? Oh, Trickling. yeah, Micheline. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I was kind of surprised you didn't take Micheline uh, off the Kentucky Downs angle. Uh, well, I liked uh, I liked the other horse, uh, Harvey's Little Goyle, off that race a little bit better. Um, I, I just think she's got um, obviously. I, I just think she's more consistent, as Chris stated, and uh, I like the fact that they tried her in the Alabama, and, and she certainly didn't disgrace herself, and, and then she comes back and runs well at Kentucky Downs. So uh, I, I just I just like. Obviously, we'll go a little bit better, but I did put Micheline in there as well. All right. Well, I've got a different horse from uh, either of you two, and that is the outside horse, Red Lark, who won her last race. Hit, yeah, her, her last race at uh, 19 to 1 at Del Mar, I think it was. And she is two for three at the distance. She's, I think she's got really stout breeding. She's coming into this with stellar spacing. She's only a little bit slower than Magic Attitude and about the same speed as the rest of them, except for Harvey's Little Goyle has some, some good figures. But Red Lark just has a beautiful looking pattern. And Drayden Van Dyke has stuck with this horse. He travels to ride. There's not a lot of traveling going on with these jockeys right now. The trainer rarely ships and wins which is a bummer, right? I'm like, the first thing I thought of is this guy ever ship and win? And in the last five years outside of California, he's only run like four horses, two at Churchill Downs. Um, They didn't do anything. He did have an 80 to one get second at Belmont in 2016. But I think this horse is something special. Um, I still have to watch the replay of that last race, but my memory of, of watching it was that she looked powerful and that california kook had no chance california kook got second to her um this is just like my long shot special that if it comes in with any of the horses that i mentioned in the uh the last race i will have big doubles with so uh, that's the horse i like the most Uh, i think magic attitude is kind of hard to beat and in this race itself i probably do an exact box with those two. Uh, Harvey's Little Goyle, I, I respect. I, I think all these horses look like they could jump up. I just think Red Lark is going to be the best value of of the horses that that we have discussed. So, Scott, what about the post? Does that make you nervous or the ship, the West Coast horses shipping out to Keeneland on the turf? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm counting on that uh, Keeneland that ship to, to inflate the price. It does concern me, but I'm hoping that the price uh, compensates for it. And um, I'm not worried about the outside post because, you know, it's a, it's, it's a long, it's a long run into the first turn and Drayden Van Dyke will, he'll put her in good position. He'll do whatever he has to do. All right. Well, sounds like we're, we're thinking this is a pretty wide open race. Um, So who did you like after Red Lark? Scott, uh, I liked Magic Attitude, so like I would, I would personally, you know, I, everything is dependent on more analysis, right? Because I've only been handicapping this thing for a few hours, uh, the, these races for a few hours. But, um, you know, in the Keeneland contest, there's a good chance I'll have a nice exacta box with um, Magic Attitude and Red Lark. Yeah, this is one where if. The course does soften up. It seems like it would help Magic Attitude because she has some good races over some off going. And she is like a, a group one, 
uh, type French horror. So I think we all agree she's definitely a tough competitor in here. Yeah, I ha I haven't looked to see like how uh, Red Lark would do on an off course. She probably hasn't run on it since she's been in California. And it looks like um, she Her had worst a... race was on a soft course. <laughs> yeah, and she she got good or soft her first four races. Um, of course, it's hard to catch a firm turf course in Ireland. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I... you know those were all sprints, and uh, clearly the horse wasn't very good at at that age. I mean, she's yeah. a new horse since she got here. Yeah, or she needed firm ground. That's why they took her away from Ireland. <laughs> hey, do I California. hear 30 to 1? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, can you read breeding into turf condition? I, I Probably not, right? There's probably Europeans probably do. I, I don't have that skill. But, you know, you figure that Europeans typically handle soft ground more, especially Irish bread, right? Because it rains there all the time. But sometimes when they bring them over, it's because they don't handle it, you know. By the way, um, Red Lark is also a grade one type because she just won grade one. She'll be 10. Yeah, name all, yeah, yeah. That really wasn't a grade <laughs> one field. But, yeah, California Coot ran second, in the, and she's in this race too. So It was a kooky race. It was a kooky race, exactly. I got I got to believe that whoever that when they when they named California Kook, they didn't expect her to ever win a Grade One. I, I just you know I, I, her breeding was I mean if you look at the if you look at the um, uh, study fee it was three thousand dollars, and so this horse is as over overperformed if you think about it. I mean that you wouldn't name a, a really great horse California Kook I don't think, but out of Kukaluka, I guess. Maybe that's how they got it. But doesn't fit the grade one very well. Well, um, that exact I, I I I those were my two horses in that race on the pod uh when we when we did it. And uh, I was I was pretty proud of that, although I didn't play the exacta, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a good call for sure. I think but I did I think hit the that... pick five that day, but um but not the not no in you know, intra-race betting. But that was a pretty weak field. Um, that really was. I mean, if you remember that race, they there wasn't much in there. So this is definitely a, a step up in class. And and that is why I expect 21 odds. Woohoo! I think you and might you get may, it. They and may, you may just get it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could. And so, you know, if you could hit that horse in this sequence, I think you'll get paid for sure. All right, Chris, you mentioned that you had handicapped the Monmouth race as part of the cross-country pick five. So uh, where did you land there? What, who are the horses that we need to worry about there? Well, the the horse that will get a lot of attention is the four-horse Almanar, who's a Chad Brown horse, who's an eight-year-old that hasn't ran in a year and a half. So it's eight to five on the morning line. It has run well off long layoffs before. But it, this is the longest layoff uh, it's had, and it's an eight-year-old. So there's a chance that it may not fire the way it has off the bench before. So I don't know if you can toss it, but I think it's vulnerable. And there's a horse in there, um, the two-horse named Mega City for a trainer, John Stevens, who's been really hot. Uh, is coming in off a, a really good race, I thought, and is 10 to 1 on the morning line and looks really live to me, the two horse. And so I like the two. And then there are two horses that are making their turf debuts, the three compounded and the eight Val Harbor, both of whom have some dirt breeding, both of whom have tactical speed in a race without a lot of tactical speed. So those three horses, I think, um, all could upset the favorite Almanar. So the the um, two Mega City, the three Compounded, and the eight Val Harbor um, are three horses: ten to one, twelve to one, six to one. The morning line, 
that might be able to upset the heavy Chad Brown horse that's coming in off a year, year and a half layoff as an eight-year-old. All right. Well, we'll um, take that into consideration if you are playing the cross-country pick five or playing Monmouth that race. Any other plays uh, before we leave, gentlemen? No, I think uh, one thing I wanted to mention is is that in the tournament this time we don't have the the uh, my my unique rule that you got to bet half the bankroll in one of the last two races. Um, and I'm so, so grateful for that. I'm so <laughs> grateful. Yeah, Scott complains about that every year. I don't want to bet five thousand dollars. I said, yeah, you do. If you have ten grand, you'll be happy to bet five thousand dollars. So. I, we didn't do that because it's very difficult to to uh, audit across multiple betting platforms, as you can imagine. So we didn't do that. So the tenth race at Keeneland, uh, unfortunately, is a maiden claimer uh, for forty thousand dollars. That's pretty wide open. So that one may decide the tournament. Uh, but you got a good mix here. If you if you feel good about the two stakes races, you can pound those and sit out the tenth if you want. And, and that's not an option, obviously, in the in half the bankroll. And I would have switched these races around to get an allowance race in the last race if I could. But um, we, we needed to get these two. Obviously, the two stakes races are the most important. So it might be an interesting tournament to watch, though, because somebody who hits that 10th race uh, in a really wide open, you know, not, not great $40,000 making claimer uh, could pass everybody and win the tournament, which is what Mr. Larmy almost did in the summertime if he just hadn't had Stephen Thompson in the tournament with him. He would have won that race, won that tournament. So um, yeah, I thought I might have. I, yeah, twenty thousand dollars <laughs> typically will win the contest, but not that one. You know, I think you'd take turning two thousand into twenty thousand every single day of your life and take your chances. Would you not? Yes, I would love to have that okay. uh, be in that position tomorrow for sure. Okay, uh, I think you'd take it. Yeah, uh, and twenty thousand would usually win the tournament. It's just that Steven just killed that last race. Wound up with what thirty. Thirty-eight thousand. I think four. Yeah, 40. almost forty thousand. Yeah, over forty. Yeah. over forty because yeah. he wound up winning with the forty thousand first prize and the ten thousand uh, dollar BCBC and whatever value you place on the NHC, he was right at hundred grand for the day. So had a really nice had a really nice last race, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just hoping keep rubbing, rubbing that in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to have a day <laughs> like that tomorrow. Chris finished second out of 208 players and got a BCBC and NHC out of it and, uh, what, 20 grand? Yeah, um, and 20000 in prize money, too. So, so you had a $55,000 day, $60,000 day. Not too shabby. No, I'm not complaining. I appreciate that, Jim, for giving me that opportunity. Um, and I'll be, like you said, I'd be happy with the same result tomorrow for sure. Well, either sure way, it's going to be uh, yeah. it's going to be a great tournament, and you're going to need uh, you're going to need a big score to win it. So twenty thousand seems like a pretty good target. Yeah, I think so too. I've uh, I've looked back at the history. Uh, the scores I think tend to be a little larger when you're playing online. You guys may want to talk about that. I think that you get a little freer with your money when you're sitting there with a dollar amount in a in an account rather than you're there with a live in a live tournament. I don't, I'm not sure if, I, if that's true, but it just seems like the online tournaments I've looked at, have the, the numbers have been bigger than I expected. Um, but I, it, it's ranges in, in, in my tournament. In general, if you can take 2,000 and turn it into six or eight, you've got a shot at getting in the money. And it, certainly if you turn it into 20, you've got a real shot to win it. Well, and the last one I finished with about 6,000, and that was good for 18th. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 it used to be easier, uh, but there were also fewer players. Six thousand would get you in the money. There are fewer players, and you guys were were early adapters to the to the live bankroll tournaments. Uh, and you know, when we started the Grade One Gamble and the BCBC Challenge, uh, eleven I think eleven twelve years ago. Uh, with 32 players, and, and you guys were among the first ones that played, and uh, there wasn't as much competition. And now all these sharp guys figured out that tournament plays pretty lucrative, and, and uh, uh, you've got people that specialize in that, like the, the Paul Shermans and Bill Shermans of the world. So uh, it's gotten very difficult to win, but it's very rewarding when you do win. 
All right. Well, well, thank you for being our guest, Jim. Thanks for taking the time out. Uh, I know you've got a lot of work to do for the contest tomorrow, so appreciate you spending the time with us. Yeah, it's perfect timing. It's 12.05. We lock down our events at 12 o'clock, so I'm going to get to send everybody an email that registered with us, encourage, and then send out another email to people who want to register with ExpressBet. So you guys get signed up. Um, don't, don't miss out on my tournament. Yeah, everybody has until if you are uh, playing with ExpressBet, which I will be playing with ExpressBet, you have until noon Eastern time tomorrow to sign up. So keep that in mind and maybe uh, try to sign up a little earlier. Yeah, and they sign up directly with ExpressBet. So go to the ExpressBet website, expressbet.com uh, slash, I think it's uh, BCBC Fall Keeneland Challenge, stuff like that. But it's really easy to find on the website. And uh, the, the good people at ExpressBet will take really good care of you. I want to give a shout out. Uh, Crystal Barco is my contact there and she is i have never met her but she is absolutely outstanding when it comes to customer service for express vet people fantastic after a long chat that will conclude show number 87 of the sport of kings pod may you cash well and often at keeneland and belmont and please enjoy the brooklyn boogaloo blowout i'll see you on sport of kings cheers